RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 3, Episode 21, Sex Policy Memo from Michael Piller, February 26, 1991. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you background fans, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly, and yes, of course, you Trekophiles with an F. We have a... Oh, a little lighthearted romp of a topic this week. We're back in the next generation, in the mature days of next generation. We're all the way into season four. No, no, we're way past the root stage this week. And yes, we found it. It's the dreaded sex memo from the next generation. <laughs> Take a listen to this, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. Of course, you can find it. Don't let me leave you hanging. You can find it right there on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Rick has asked me to make clear his policy that there is to be no serious sexual content in this series. This includes postcoital bedroom scenes. He feels it is inappropriate for a show that is seen at 5 o'clock in the afternoon to deal with adult sexuality. He wants to maintain a tone of innocence to the series. He feels we have been moving too far into romantic involvements of the characters. Sexual humor is acceptable. Well, all right then, Trekophiles. Is this, is this the Star Trek you know and love? <laughs> Has it evolved? Where did it begin? Uh, take that, 60s. Take that, 80s and 90s. Take that, aughts and teens. Um, that's just a standout little short memo there from Michael Piller to the writing staff based on a, on a directive from um, all things of the franchise at the time, Rick Berman. And uh, guess what? Guess who is just inching and chomping at the bit here <laughs> to talk about this is our old friend, friend of the show, and of course you know him from Mission Log and Mission Log Live, John Champion. Man, we've been sitting on this memo for so long, <laughs> and it, it just, like, I don't care if we do this memo ten more times. Bring in other guests to talk about okay. it. Okay. It, it's so precise and to the point, and um, it's from Rick down. It, it's Rick's direction to Michael Piller, and then here, of course, we have Gene's copy of the memo. Right. The, uh, um, no, no chiming in from Gene, though. Well, this is about what eight, nine months. You know, Gene yeah. passes away in October. Yeah, he's yeah. going through the increasingly severe mini strokes here. Yeah. So yes, no, no reply from Gene, but who knows where he would have been in the flow at the time to comment. Yeah, and I have really, truly mixed feelings about this memo. And I, I, I you think? Inten- yeah, yeah, because I, I, I really get the intention, absolutely. This is one of those places where art and commerce collide. So we have writers who want to get across an idea. We have uh, possibly very interesting stories to tell about the personal lives of our characters. But... It's still a show, and even though we don't answer to network standards, Mm -hmm. i.e. censors, because it's a syndicated show, we still have to be aware that any one of those uh, uh, syndication stations could just pull the show. Um, You could also speak to a bigger question, which is, what is the story Star Trek is trying to say? That's what What, this is really getting to. What what is this show about, 
that we are writing week after week. So, and about forty-eight minutes doesn't count. <laughs> that does not Ron count. Once yeah, said, I, yeah. What are the stories that we are trying to tell? And and here's why I have mixed feelings about this. I was going to say you're you're really shot out of a rocket on this. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, because a Star Trek in the 1960s is, at its core, it built into the DNA of Star Trek. It is a boundary-pushing, envelope-pushing show about not just issues, but about the human condition. So uh, we, we could look back at a TOS episode uh, like the Mark of Gideon, where you're dealing with an issue like birth control. Mm-hmm. You could look at uh, racism being dealt with, with uh, uh, let this be your last battlefield. There's so many points that we can just go, oh, look, there's Star Trek taking on an issue. All right. And I like to think that human sexuality is part of the human condition <laughs> right. and can be dealt with. And and to Next Gen's credit, sure, they, they do the outcasts, well, so they'll deal they'll deal with a political topic. Especially since that had been one of the hot button issues. That gene mm-hmm. in the beginning struck a deal not to be a network show, held out, held out for independence, not just about freedom from uh, Nielsen ratings watchers. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, not just about staying off the bubble and -hmm. having that paranoia, but about topics and considerations and not being censored. And, yes, all the the laundry list of issues of the day. But, yes, human sexuality and just how far can we honestly depict our characters and relationships to be out of the gate in the beginning, the first couple of years where there was a little bit of a, a sterility to some of the characters. And then Michael coming in in third season writing that and getting back to the family of characters and not the yeah. family as in it, they're all a, a big Walton's farmhouse right. in space, right. not that kind yeah. of, but the fact that we're going to follow what's happening to these characters and they're all going to have interactions and whether it's their literal family or their significant others or the, you know, the person of the week or the drama conflict of the week, but get it back to the regular characters as the, as the medium for the, for the message. And how do you avoid a big chunk of that being relationships and, yeah. and yeah. when an a relationship, one of the ways a relationship can go is to a sexual. Yeah. Well, extreme. okay, and then let's look at who else is copied on this memo here is Gene Roddenberry, and he's the guy who spent a great deal of effort writing out a character like Ilea, okay, and describing right. the the sexual complexities of the Deltons. And, you know, th- this is a big part. We don't get a lot of that on screen. I but pledge it's a, not to take advantage of a sexually immature species. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. But it's a big part of, of the development of that character. And I, I think back on Next Gen, even the oh. things that are not explicit, look, Riker and Troy's relationship mm-hmm. That is a boundary-pushing relationship as far as I'm concerned when it comes to late 80s, early 90s TV. Yes. You know? Uh, Hey, even though it's played for laughs often, Loxana Troy and Betazoids and the phase is uh, not the same thing that happens with human females happens with Betazoids. Right, right. uh, But even season three, we'd had the – if you want – you know, he, he does draw the line here. He differentiates between serious sexual content yeah <clears throat> that includes i.e <laughs> bed scenes yeah. and oh my mind immediately snaps boy it was such a graphical thing at the time and kind of got a i would like to think it was a little bit of a rating spike yeah uh the bedroom scenes in the price yeah with marina as yeah, deanna troy in that in that nightgown yeah. Yeah. i mean that was kind of a Did shocking not shy thing. away from that yeah know. that was kind of a shocking thing for next gen yeah at the time yeah not, not an overt shock, but just for them to go there. So, And this was a year before this memo. 
Yeah. Well, well, so you kind of made a list here of where they were in the production cycle, what you think might have sparked this memo. So February 26, 1991, we're coming late in season four. Typically, a wrap would be in April, uh, March, April in that time, even though the episodes would follow on. Right. But as far as what they're getting, what they're churning them out and then the scripts are always on the front end. So if there's something that's come by in a in a first draft, in a story document that precedes a first draft, much less something getting all the way to a, a shooting script stage or maybe it was a pitch maybe it's some whatever incited this memo will never have a clue what what mm-hmm. brought it up it may have been a pitch that flew by maybe someone pitched a story one of the writing staff writers said i'm excited about this and then it got to rick and he's like whoa whoa we are not considering these type of stories may not have ever gotten as far as being bought yeah and got into the process but as far as what we know of you know it's the it's basically the the entity from the from cupid to the end, this season ended with the two-parter, uh, with the part one, uh, Redemption. And just looking at those episodes, Cupid, the drumhead, um, Half a Life, the host. I mean, I can see a couple of places where maybe early iterations had something going. The host was Beverly's romance with the first iteration of a mm-hmm. drill. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cupid, I don't know. Picard, I mean. I, I think your your theories are sound. I think your logic <laughs> is sound. And, and, and uh, furthermore, it's sound because uh, as you know, most people on a production are not watching the production when it is released. You've right. moved on. When a show comes out, right. You that was months ago for you, right? However, however, I think that uh, there are instances where you've got maybe a writer, maybe a writer who didn't work on a particular episode, and they're catching something as it is airing mm-hmm. or as it is about to air. Let me mention that in February of 1991, you had an episode air on February 18th and then a break until uh, March 11th. Right. So you had about three weeks off here right, right when this memo was written. The episode that aired on February 18th, 1991... First Contact. That's the episode where B.B. Newworth manipulates and takes right. advantage of Riker and uses sex to basically get what she all wants. All off camera. All, all off camera. And but. highly innuendoed. Oh, oh, there's no innuendo in it. No, no, no. That's we, why we I know, meant by highly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know exactly what happened. We know exactly why. That That is an episode that when Ken and I did this on uh, Mission Log, it really stood out because, look, turn the tables. Make it uh, mm-hmm. uh, Deanna Troy, who's captured uh, and is spending her time in this hospital on this planet that has only just now discovered warp drive. Turn the tables. This is wrong, wrong, wrong as it can go. And I, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, maybe you could call it a sex farce. You could call it sexual humor. In retrospect, wow, th- this just would not play. I, I think about that episode and I think I, about where uh, how that played. I, I have to think that this is not a good place for this show to go. <laughs> Well, yeah. it, and they say sexual it, humor is acceptable, well, but, see, but that's some, what is that, or is that some kind of odd relationship thing? Say a Jenna data, you know, exchange from in theory. Is that more? Which was, but it was so know. bland. I feel is it data and Jenna so I, bland. I know, I know. I'm just I'm dredging here, but no. Go, go back to the naked now. Your theory. Now, well, now oh no, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. naked now was or uh, the Edo sure, injustice. Justice. That yeah, was, yeah. but that was the early time of yeah. Gene feeling like he had to distinguish next gen 
uh, from everything before, not just in story concepts and characters and, you know, conceits of the Star Trek universe, but like, here's what they would let us do in the 60s, yes. by God, and now we're in yes. the... Li- it's yeah, been sure. 20 friggin' years, yeah. right? Yeah. We're so damn liberated now. <laughs> we're going to have half-naked people running around the way I always really wanted to do. Right, right. Even though it was not the best story. So that, that's the thing. I don't even say that that's Gene's influence. That's, right. And then as you go along, and it's, it, Gene is less of a participant here, I just... I, I wonder where it was that the that the, the cold feet really what, what came was the in. hot button yeah. issue here? Yeah, yeah. Because now Rick is right. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. for everyone listening to us right now, reading this and saying, yeah. "What do you mean five o'clock in the afternoon? I saw it at six. I yeah. saw it at seven. I saw it at nine or ten or ten thirty. Right. Uh, a lot of the markets, and again, syndication means every station shows when what. A lot of places had it at four and five on Saturday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, six o'clock. So in a local market, or maybe even earlier, yeah. or five or so, or maybe the traditional after-school spot. Uh, and, and to that point, it, it gets, especially when it goes into syndication. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it, right. it gets replayed over and over again. And Star Trek creators are aware that the Star Trek audience, at least at this time, is a little bit of everybody. You know, mm-hmm. it is ideally a show that uh, a 13-year-old is going to watch with an adult, uh, a parent who watched TOS back in the 60s. So you have this wide audience, so at least the expectation of a wide audience. Uh, but again, it's that very fine line. Well, if we dumb it down and we sort of say that our characters don't have inner lives, they don't have sex lives, and they, they don't have this aspect to uh, to their beings, well, are, are we telling a truthful story about the human condition? You know, there are a lot of episodes that I'm, I'm looking at in this list of season four, you go, okay, well, that's a show with a very heady, high sci-fi concept, mm-hmm. or, or this is something that just sort of carries on the overall stories about exploration or the Borg. You know, we start season four with the end of Best of Both Worlds and then going into family. So it, there's personal character development there. But again, if we leave this off the table and say, well, yeah, well you, you can talk about humanity, just can't talk about sexuality in any sort of mature, thoughtful adult way. Only, only if we're sort of doing a humor, or if it's sort of a a, a snickering way of looking at it. You're, you I know. get you're playing Loxana for laughs in some way. Yeah, or yeah. you know, or the nurse uh, Linnell, I think was her name. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene comes off that way, but uh, you know, it, yeah. all it lacked was pulling on the Kirk boots. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So there right. you go. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's maybe how I'd reply to this memo Original and say, Sarah. okay, look, you're saying there's no post-coital bedroom scene, but let's look at wink of an eye. And there's Kirk, who has clearly had a moment with Dila. And you may not think anything of it if you're not thinking that way, if you're not thinking in that direction. But to everybody else... It was very clear what had just happened. Right. Um, and, and I think that's okay. I think it's okay for Star Trek to go there. It certainly was in the 60s. It was it, it was the creators of Star Trek saying, yeah, this is what happened in that moment. You, you, can, you can fill in the blanks. You're more than welcome to. Yeah, I just I, I the, as a as a memo itself, I, I get the point. Mm-hmm. You might say, "Oh, Rick's being a stick in the mud here," but he has a point. 
And then that last, uh, he feels we've been moving too far into romantic involvements, the characters, which is amazing considering we eventually get to, you know, forget the Riker-Troy, don't forget it, but I mean, the whole Riker-Troy dance is something the actors kept around, the writers went back and that was over the map. But you get to the wacky last year of, it starts as as a fantasy, and does it actually become real? But the whole Wharf and Troy thing. Yeah. And then you finally yeah. get, then, oh, what, hold my beer. Then we actually get Picard <laughs> and Beverly together. And there's yeah. all kinds of, yeah. you know, Beverly yeah. Crusher devotees out there with the Picard series coming along. Like, what's yeah. going to happen there? Maybe. But don't forget her. I mean, they we did eventually get to um, the relationship. Wharf. And his uh, the Bonanza syndrome there of whoever he's <laughs> yeah. whoever he's with yeah. bites it at the end. You know? See, that's why you, you mentioned Troy and Riker again. I, I think that's what was interesting is that these were characters who, from the beginning, we said, well, they had a relationship, but now they don't. But even though they don't, look, let's face it, they just sort of hook up when they feel like it, and and they're none the worse for it. So they have this quote-unquote relationship, but it's not conventional in right. the respect that they're not exclusively dating. And I don't I think, even think they need to hang a little brass plaque on it and say, no. we're, we're in an open relationship. Yeah, no, it's no, not even it, that. It was just a thing, and I thought mm-hmm. that was a very clever, again, boundary-pushing way for Next Gen to address something about how people have relationships. Because then on the other extreme, you have a lot of people who just simply don't, or you've got Picard, who, well, will create an interesting foil for him, like Vosh mm-hmm. or uh, the, the piano playing. Uh, I'm, I'm, oh, Minuet. Oh, no, 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 no that, that was for Riker. I bet, oh, that's uh, right. Uh, uh, Picard met his match with the musician. Oh, uh, who, Nella Darren. N- yes, 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 there you lessons. go, very good, yes. yes. But, but then every time Picard has this adult, presumably sexual relationship, that character has to disappear. Too bad he's the captain. It's the old we captain is married the old, to the ship syndrome. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. and it's the old Kirk thing again. And, and so with Kirk, my, my heart breaks again for, for Shayna and the games for Triskelion. <laughs> if anybody needed to be rescued, it was her. Get her out of there, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, after all of that in this memo, very simple, succinct, four-paragraph memo, three mm-hmm. paragraphs, make the point. You might oppose the idea. Yep. Make the point. And then... Yep. Sexual humor is acceptable. <laughs> well, so was was Linnell seen? Was that not seen as, you know, it was played, not played for laughs, but it yeah. was a, hmm. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, um, I mean, I, looking through here, I mean, even this group of episodes, if it wasn't, if it wasn't your theory, if it was one of these in process, half a life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Loaxan and Timison, David Ogden, which is a very adult relationship and, and great emotional. It's mature, scenes, right? It's very right, mature, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. But, but we're, we're shying away from again the sexuality of it, other than just Loaxana being her her open. Right, but that was the first self. Yes, but yeah. that was the first quote unquote serious Loaxana yeah. show that showed uh, it was like oh we're very not just true. playing her for laughs. Very true. Yeah. Anyway, this memo is. Um, you know, and fourth season is the is the season post Best of Both Worlds when Next mm-hmm. Generation's ratings did just explode, yeah. and they were picking up more and more markets, more and more cities. So I don't. It's it's an interesting mix and comes at a time. I mean, if I ever had a chance to, you know, ask Rick <laughs> what prompted him to you know grab Michael by the collar and yeah. say, "Tell everybody, uh, lower the boom here," because within a year or two, this is all less. This is all softened. Yeah. Again. Yeah, for sure. 
goes away, much less For what sure. happens down the road on DS9 and, and uh, DS9, Voyager. Voyager, Fast Forward. Uh, and oh, golly, Enterprise. I know. Right, Enterprise. right, right. And still controversial to this day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, thanks, John. This is, uh, I'm glad we, yes, if this has been on the, the pile for a long time, I'm glad you finally got the hot hand and yanked it out. It's an evergreen. we got to bust it out again. Okay. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All of our documents are available right on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me, edlarrynimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.